Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hey there, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host, and I am a retail change and transformation specialist, working with companies to help them understand their complex changes and drive progress to understand the options, find the path forward, win stakeholder support, and ultimately land positive change and transformation. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This one is episode 209, number 209. And when it comes to driving successful change and successful transformation, one of the key factors is making sure that your communication is great. Because without communication, no one knows about the change, about the transformation, right? And nothing happens. It stays the same. It sounds really obvious. And it is, I suppose. (laughs) But given that it is obvious, we're still not amazing at it. Communication is absolutely a huge opportunity for many retail businesses and many businesses in the wider world, of course, let's not forget. And so today, let's unpack this. Let's explore what powerful change communication looks like, feels like, and how we can change how we communicate. And to help us on this path, I'm delighted to welcome an expert change communicator. Lucy Eckley will be joining us very shortly. Lucy is the MD of communications consultancy, The Leading Story. Lucy and her company work with organisations to co-create a compelling narrative for corporate change programmes so that people understand the change and feel involved in it, which ultimately, of course, boosts the chance of a successful transformation significantly. She focuses in on change communication strategy, coaching leaders and change practitioners in building a great communication, and also mentoring communicators who are new to the world of change and transformation. She's got over 20 years of experience as a communications professional, and she knows what it feels like to be on the receiving end of retail change and communication as well. And we'll dive into that very shortly. As you'll hear, she's got a real passion for both people and business and story as well, which is a really interesting avenue. You can find out more about Lucy Eckley and her company, The Leading Story, on the show notes page, which you can get at obandco.uk slash 209. That's uk slash 209. And whilst you're over there, hey, why not sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, my email newsletter, which shares key headlines from around the world, including new ideas, new trials, new deployments, as well as the insight and intel that you need to keep your finger firmly on the evolving world of retail. Sign up for free on those show notes, which once again are obandco.uk slash 209. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Lucy Eckley. Enjoy. 
Well, an incredibly warm welcome to you, Lucy. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. Oh, hi. I'm delighted to be here and really looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Well, it's set up to be a fantastic conversation and a really important topic all around communication. Now, you're a communication pro, Lucy. So why don't you just guide us through? Why should we care about communication when it comes to change and transformation? Well, the short answer really is about people. So change and transformation is all about people. Even if you're changing a system or a process, which might seem quite technical or quite IT related, essentially, whenever you're changing or transforming something, you're relying sometimes on hundreds, even thousands of people understanding something, thinking, feeling, doing something (laughs) differently um, in order to, to be successful with that change. And yeah, to, to, to do something different, the people have got to understand it. And that obviously involves carefully planned, and well-executed communication. I couldn't agree more. One of the terms that really quite irritates me, I think I've got a bit of an allergic reaction to it, is that of uh, digital transformation. And so often I feel that digital transformation gets everyone to focus in on the digital side of it, the technology, the system, the SaaS product, whatever it is. But actually, that's one part of it and an important part of it. But everything is digital nowadays. So we need to think about all the other elements, people, process, etc. I'm so glad to hear you say that it is about people, because absolutely, if you don't get that bit right, then the rest of the transformation falls apart pretty quickly. So, yeah, communication is is there to get the people on board. Couldn't say it better myself. So thank you. I think there'll be quite a few listeners that recognise that communication is important, but perhaps not necessarily sure what that means. We talk about you know, how important it is to have good communication, but what do we mean by good communication? What is good communication? It's a great question. It's a big question as well, isn't it? Because you know, we're, we're all human beings. You and I are communicating right now. You know, we can we can all communicate. As, as humans, we do it constantly. Some of us probably you know more more than others, um, and we and we do it in all sorts of different ways. But I think you know when it comes to internal communication within large complex organisations, particularly where there's change and transformation involved, then you know th- there's there's a, a new level of communication that's that's needed. Mm. And whilst we can all communicate, doesn't mean we're all great or skilled or professional communicators, and. So it's actually quite quite hard to do communication well within particularly a large complex organisation. And it's such a big question. I actually put it out to my LinkedIn community recently, my network on LinkedIn, yeah. because, you know, love to have a good, a good conversation with, with other communicators. So, you know, I, I threw in what I think is important for, for good communication. You know, we're talking strategic communication here as well, not, not a kind of fluffy, fluffy nice to have. Mm. So it's got to be planned, it's got to be targeted, it's got to be measurable. It's got to be aligned to your business strategy and Mm -hmm. your goals. And that's really important when it comes to change and transformation, because you've got big goals and aspirations for your transformation program. Your communication needs to be aligned with those. I think there's some really important sort of human aspects of it. You know, I think are hygiene factors really, but you know, it's it's amazing how how often they can be glossed over. And that's about honesty and transparency. And, and having some mutual respect there. But but the thing that, that really got everybody talking about on, on the LinkedIn conversation was about listening and dialogue. Mm. And that's actually probably where we should start 
with um with communication. Yeah. And somebody made a really great point, which is that brilliant communication starts with brilliant conversations. And so that listening and dialogue is just so important to gauge what it is that people want to know. And that that's the next point as well, really, is that so much communication is broadcast and we think it's it's one way stuff. You know, leaders or the organization kind of updating people on their agenda. The flip side really is that it also needs to be what employees want to hear about. It's not just what leaders want to to to, to tell people. So we can't just rely on a broadcast system to brainwash people, no? Sadly not. I mean, you know, you obviously you can try that. You can try that, but it won't it won't be effective. And I think if you look at a sort of traditional a, a, a dictionary definition of communication, it's actually about exchange of information. So you know, it never has been that one way. It's never been that one way broadcasting but so much it's some you know often it's easier isn't it it's just easier to go right here's the message let's just get it out there yeah it's harder harder for leaders to have to listen back and get the questions and get the challenges yeah and that that's really good because when you think about communication as that exchange that proverbial two-way street suddenly it takes on a whole different form right we're not talking about an email blast or you know, a webinar or whatever, blah, blah. But actually, how do you get and enable that two-way street, that return? And how are you going to listen to that, as you say? How are you going to then respond and react? And, you know, suddenly thinking about communication as an exchange is a huge golden nugget for people to take away, for sure. Yeah. And I think at all stages of transformation. So, one of the things I see so often is that people, when it comes to change and transformation, think about communication very late in the process. And there's, you know, you already used the word process. <laughs> I've just used the word process again. But, you know, I'm sure you, you, you may experience this as well. You know, how often we, we focus on the process of transformation and, and what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. Mm. And sometimes communication happens far too late in that process, you know, just weeks or days before the first implementation of something is going yeah. to happen. But actually, you know, having that dialogue at the early stages, talking to your employees about what what you're planning. Yes, there might be some details that you perhaps can't share openly right from the very beginning, but generally the earlier you start having that dialogue, you start hearing people's questions, their reservations, and their ideas. You know, if I think about the, the retail context, you know, colleagues who are actually working in store, think about the the viewpoints and the experiences and the eyes and ears that they are around how something might actually work in practice. You know, your your great idea, test it with people early and you know, be 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 brave about sharing some of those ideas and engage in some dialogue early on, you know, not not just, you know, a few days before something's gonna happen. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to the beginning of your career, Lucy, because I know you started in retail as well with a fairly hefty change relatively quickly, right? Tell us about how that was. And was was that an exchange of communication as well? Do you know, that's a really great question. And it's been really interesting reflecting on, on this. So yeah, the, the context. So I'm going to really show my age now. I I had a Saturday job, but it was actually, it was all day Saturday and it was Thursday evening. So that was the only late night back, uh, back in the very late eighties. So you can, you can, you can age me now working at UK retailer Marks and Spencers. It was really in the very, very early advent of EPOS. So you know, to tell the story, when I first started working after my GCSEs in the summer of 1988, 
we were still literally punching in the prices of food. I worked in the food department. And for the first couple of weeks I was there, we literally, the price was on on the product and you typed in the price and away you went. And within a couple of weeks, so I guess being, you know, super adaptable 16-year-old, it didn't really phase me. One minute I was doing that and the next minute we had handheld scanners and and away we go. And yeah. You know, everything was, I guess it was, it was an early sort of digital transformation. We went from doing priority orders on paper to, you know, digital handheld terminals. So I guess I experienced a retail transformation in, in, you know, that, that very early job. Did it feel like a two way thing? Yes and no. I mean, it felt it felt like it was happening. It felt very natural. Had really good training on it. I don't think any of us actually stopped to ask why. We just we just did it and, and accepted <laughs> it. But it's a fa- it's a fascinating thing to look back on, really, and see how far retail has come in those thirty plus years. I, I think it is really interesting, and actually, you know, it's a good reminder as to just how quickly things have evolved, right, in the in the wider industry. But let me just test that that experience from your side as a, a colleague at the time my guess is that communication would have been with the store management store managers team leaders whatever the, the structure was at that particular time and I think quite a lot of retail change relies on the capability of those individuals to be able to deliver the change on behalf of the organization right is that is that fair to say I think it's absolutely fair to say. So it's it's still really ingrained on my brain that it was it was a condition of our employment that we had to read the store notice board every day. So anything really, <laughs> really key before you went down to work, you had to go and read the notice board. So there's a bit of broadcast communication there. But I think, yeah, absolutely. It was very much the store management and and probably at, at my level, it was it was the you know the supervisors. And, you know, it was that was very much two-way communication. I think, you know, really good kind of colleague colleague relations and 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 great training mm. actually that you know we i think it was a bit of get trained on the new system and then and then try it out and then probably nothing better than actually you know trying that technology in action but i think you know we, we kind of we had we had fun along the way as well and i think that's that's probably probably really important so yeah just getting to play with the new technology and seeing the results yeah. really quickly were really important as well let, let me come back out of that particular experience, Lucy, and just talk about the good communication and thinking about communication as an exchange. Why why do we not do that? Why, where do we run into problems? You, you mentioned one around leaving it to the last minute, essentially. What, what else gets in the way? It's funny, isn't it? Because like I said, we're all natural communicators. And I'm sure, you know, when it comes to our personal lives, some of us are, are naturally better communicators than others. But it's sometimes just easier just to be on that broadcast mode, isn't it? You've got your agenda. It's quite, you know, it's so much easier, even if you just think about, you know, conversations that you might have with your partner or your family. It's a lot easier sometimes just to kind of have your agenda. It's a lot harder to actually actually listen listen to others because yes. you might have to adjust your your plans if you yeah. actually listen to listen back to, you know, what somebody else has to say you might have to actually kind of readjust what what you're going to do and I think that comes as well in in business often the way that you know we don't always communicate in business the way we do as individuals so conversationally you know you and Mm. I have a a conversation now it's very natural if one of us was to start writing this down we'd probably make the sentences a bit longer we'd probably start to use longer words and so again you know it can be a lot a lot easier sometimes to hide behind some jargon, some acronyms yep. that are prevalent in lots of industries, in, in <laughs> including retail. And like I said, you know, good 
communication is harder than it sounds. So actually boiling it down to keeping things really simple, conversational, not overwhelming people. I think that's a huge challenge. I mm. think, you know, you were talking about this on one of your recent episodes as well about the volume of change that's going on in the world, in people's personal lives, in industry. And so overwhelm is, yeah. is, a, is a really tricky thing that, that happens as well. And that, so I think it's that discipline of keeping things really simple and being really aware of, you know, how we are hitting people with lots and lots of change, lots of different communications at any one time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think there is absolutely a tendency. I've certainly been guilty of it myself in terms of some of the communication you go into almost like formal mode, right? It's like, I must have properly structured sentences and use big words. And, <laughs> and that really gets in the way of trying to get your message across, particularly in in a world like retail where, You've got plenty of challenges when it comes to communication in terms of the scale and in terms of different nationalities of people, different sort of language skill sets and all these sort of different things. And actually, yeah, if you divert into not being conversational, not being simple in what you're trying to say, and also being a bit skirting around what you're trying to say <laughs> as well as another challenge. It's not how people communicate outside work these yeah. days. You think about how people are on TikTok, they're on Instagram. You know, it's just people are, are consuming things in in much sort of more informal, much um, smaller bites of information. I think, you know, to come back to your question about what other things do I see, you know, pitfalls people falling into. So, you know, we talked about leaving it too late. We talked about making it too complicated. A couple of, of other really important, you know, mistakes I see people making is is one about not having a clear enough vision. And jumping straight to that process and, you know, what's happening when, rather than taking the time to kind of connect with people emotionally. So as human beings, we're, we're rational and we're emotional creatures. And it's really tempting, particularly in change, to, to jump to that rational stuff. Mm. But actually, you know, you've got to have a vision for the future. So even if, again, if you, even if you're making a simple systems change, you still need to paint the picture of, well, what, what does that actually mean for customers? What, what does that mean for employees? In the future, how is how is learning a new system? You know, if I come back to my, perhaps my my retail experience, well, you know, what did that mean to me? It meant I had to go on some more training. It meant I just I just learned how to punch something into a till, and I had to go and learn how to scan something. Mm. Well, actually, you know, what was that going to mean? Well, for customers, it's going to make their experience, you know, much quicker. It's going to make my my experience on the till much easier because I don't have to worry about, you know, what would happen. I'd sometimes type in the wrong price and then you'd have to call the supervisor and it'd be really embarrassing. Um, whereas, you know, there's a lot of a lot of benefits there. So even the simplest systems change like that can have a really powerful vision. If you're making more radical change, culture change, you know, reorganizing how you work, then that vision is is even more important. So mm. having having the vision and communicating that why is so crucial. Yeah, so many it's so easy again to gloss over that and just jump into what's happening when. Yeah. And how can you help to communicate that why, that vision? What what, what sort of advice would you suggest that someone takes to put that into place? So first of all, I think you know that that vision has got to be in place and leaders need to understand how important it is to have that vision. And it is the role of is the role of of leaders in in an organization, you know, also whoever is le leading that that transformation to to have that vision, but to really work with skilled communicators to bring it to life. Mm. You know, often it can be seen 
as a challenge to to the communicators, I think, to come up with that vision. So, you know, with the role that, that we need to play is helping the leaders bring that to life. So I would say, you know, work with somebody who is is skilled at doing that. And then I think that's where narrative really comes to play. So, to, so having an actual compelling narrative for your organization at an organization level, but also having a, a really comparative, a really compelling narrative for your transformation so that, you know, people understand why it's happening, what the vision is going to look like, how you'll get there. So that's where you can really start talking about the strategy and the role that the employee need, needs to play. So then again, you can start talking about, you know, what, what somebody needs needs to do differently mm. and you're a, a an expert communicator and you believe passionately in the power of story as well which i suppose leads naturally in from narrative tell, tell us more about how that narrative or story can be can be so powerful yes so you know buzzword isn't it in business at the moment business business storytelling and i think narrative and storytelling they often get used interchangeably but i see them as as being two very related but but separate things and or different things but when they work together particularly in in change and transformation they they're really powerful so for me the narrative is is that change story so it's 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 consistent it doesn't change a whole lot during your transformation so really there's a really great um model for it a guy called William Bridges and he said you know there are, there are four things that employees want to know they want to know the purpose of the change, so why we need to change. They want to know the picture of what the future looks like. They want to know the plan of how we'll get there. And they want to know the part that employees need need to play. So really, for me, well, it, it you know, narrative helps people make sense of situations and it particularly helps people make sense of change. So it's kind of that single version of the truth, if you like. So that when people hear about the change, wherever they're reading about it or whatever leader they're hearing about it from, or, you know, if line managers then have to to pick up that that change story and, and explain it mm. more at a local level, then people should be be hearing the same same story over and over to, to help them make sense. So it's that sort of repetition in terms of in a, a marketing guys, we'd call it, you know, the rule of seven or something like that, right? The same concept yeah. when you're communicating about change. It's the same concept, so that there, there's consistent, consistent messages, and you know, like I said, you know, it just helps helps for that that sense making, and it will be consistent. So when you have your communication strategy, then you will be consistently telling telling that story and linking all your communi- communications back to it. Then what storytelling does? So you know, your narrative, centrally driven, generally sort of told by leaders, co-created between leaders and and a central communications team, often. But stories, you know, are coming back more to that that kind of human natural storytelling thing that is innate in us. Mm. And again, that we all do every day. You know, I've told you a story today about my early retail experience. We all tell our friends and our family stories every single day, multiple, multiple yes. stories. So stories are more spontaneous. But what they do is they bring that narrative to life. So you've got, well, this is the theoretical kind of future story of the change. And the stories crop up across your organization during the course of the change. They bring it to life and it's so important for for a whole load of reasons, really. You know, firstly, you can use them to celebrate early successes Mm -hmm. and show the change in action because we know that change is hard, right? You're asking people to do something difficult often. And they, so they show their colleagues 
trying the change, yep. embracing the change. So if you've done a trial, for example, in one store, then pick up some of the the story points from that particular experience, what's worked, what's not, and ultimately where, you know, those, those four elements from that, that 4P plan there, how does that fit into everything? Exactly. And I think, you know, you've picked up a really key point, which is stories about what's worked and what hasn't. And that's a really important point. So they're really good. Stories are really good way of sharing learnings, mm. but they don't have to be shiny success stories. And that's where I sometimes see my clients, you know, getting a bit down a rabbit hole because they want to wait until they've got like a perfect case study yeah. to say, hey, this was great and this worked and this this was brilliant. You know, firstly, stories have got to be timely and you need to be sharing them as soon as you can and the transformation. And secondly, they've got to be real and relatable. So if, you know, if they're actually much more powerful if you're sharing it as people go along, being really honest mm. about what people were finding difficult, what worked and what didn't. And then if you share that story, around what didn't work, other colleagues can pick that up. And then, you know, you gradually get to the successful implementation of it as, as people learn and, and share from, you know, learn from one another. Yeah. And I suppose it goes hand in hand with that exchange concept as well, right? Because if you've done a trial and you've found some things that don't work, preferably, I, I would imagine you don't really want to be telling a story about this didn't work the end <laughs> you want to include the so we've listened and here's what we've done separately or here's the advice right rather than just leaving it as a a, a sad story <laughs> we don't like sad stories we're, we're programmed to to um to want to want the happy ending aren't yeah. we you know with disney and you know even your reality tv stuff um generally documentaries and stuff that that we watch on tv everybody's hanging out to see what what happens at the end and, and we like the happy ending yeah absolutely I, i'm i'm a big fan of watching movies and sometimes you do watch one where it just sort of it's a pretty boring finish and it's just like oh <laughs> feels unfinished i suppose and yeah you definitely don't want to be doing that in that instance if you've opened up this rich story of someone else that has gone ahead of you in in this instance yeah we, there has to be an ending and i think like you said you know sometimes you watch two and a half hours hours of a movie and then you get the end you're like oh really um, and so you know the parallel you know like oh that's two and a half hours of my yeah. life i'm not gonna get yeah, back you know you know my headspace ending. then <laughs> yeah and, you know, we've also listened to the rambling story, haven't we? We've listened to the rambling story or watched the the rambling video and we're like, oh, where's this going? And so I'd perhaps share something that that, that might be useful around how to structure a, a story. Oh, yes, please. There's all sorts of really complex sort of character plots and, and stuff out there, but I like to follow one that, that's really simple. And um, you've probably come across it, actually. So it's a structure from a guy called Paul Smith. Not that one, I don't think. Not 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 the fashion Paul no. Smith. Multi-talented <laughs> Paul, Paul Smith. And it's it's the CAR or, or CAR framework, which is really simple. And it's actually, you know, the sort of similar structure to a, a good case study, which is context, action and result. So the context really was, you know, where did the story happen? The action, which was, you know, what did the people do? So the team or the colleague that that was doing something different, what, what action did they take? Mm -hmm. What new system, you know, or process did they follow? What new behavior did they adopt? Which is obviously, you know, the change that you want to see. And then the result is that ending. So hopefully it's a happy ending, but it, it has the ending of what the outcome was. And that can be yeah. tangible if it's a cost saving program, you know, how many dollars or pounds did they save or, you know, what was the better outcome for the for the customer? But also in there is, is the lessons learned that we talked about. Mm. So, you know, 
what went well, what could have gone better, and the learning that's so valuable for, for other colleagues to hear about. I love that. It's nice and simple to use, a nice actionable takeaway. And Lucy, you're, you're full of experience with this, and there are some great opportunities for people to learn more from you as well. Do you want to do you want to give us a little preview of what's coming? Yeah, so a sneak preview of, of my upcoming podcast. So the name, The Leading Story, and we've got a mini series coming up, which goes into a little bit more detail of some of the things that, that you and I have talked about today. Mini, story, mini series that is all about narrative and storytelling in change and transformation. So six part mini series, which will we'll really go into some of those things that we've just been talking about. Super. So we will keep everyone up to speed as that publishes and comes out, but uh, one to add to your podcast library for sure. Lucy, how else can people find out more about you, about what you're up to and get in touch? Yeah, all really consistent. So the leading story is the business name. So we're theleadingstory.com for the website. And then Lucy Eckley, I'm most active on LinkedIn and also on Twitter. And I really love connecting with people there and talking all things change, transformation and narrative and story. Perfect. Perfect. Well, absolutely do reach out and get in touch with Lucy. She's absolutely fab. And we'll also link up that conversation that you started around good communication as well. I think that would be interesting reading for people. So head over to the show notes there and you can find the link to find out more about Lucy as well as engage in that conversation. And do, of course, feel free to add in your two pence worth as well. I'm sure that will be a valuable contribution. Lucy, thank you so much for joining me here on the Retail Transformation Show. An absolutely fantastic conversation, loads to think about. I'm really looking forward to hearing a viewpoint from, from all the listeners as well. Loads of gold nuggets and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wasn't that just a fab conversation? It was great hearing from Lucy and in particular, I loved the perspective that made us think about communication as an exchange. And that could be a really powerful mentality for you as you start to think about communicating your change and your transformation. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, there are loads of other great episodes in the Retail Transformation Show archives. Here are three to get you started. First up, Check out episode 203, number 203, where we were talking about fundamental and incremental transformation. Two important types of changes and both needing great change communication to ensure that they land effectively. Also check out episode 191 featuring Spider-Man comic book writer B. Earl. And we were talking about how story opens retail's great adventure. Obviously, we were talking about story today with Lucy, and this is another great episode to explore that particular topic. So episode 191. And then finally, also check out episode 130, number 130. A little bit back through the archives there for an episode called What Makes a Transformation Superstar, where communication is part of that mix. So three fantastic episodes. And if you can't recall those numbers, then the single one place that you must head over to right now is obandco.uk slash 
209. That's obandco.uk slash 209. You can find out more about those three episodes, about Lucy and the topics we spoke about today. And remember to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing to keep your finger firmly on the ever-evolving world of retail. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I look forward to joining you on another episode very soon. Bye for now.